me by surprise. I didn't know that was the last song. So, <laughs> hey, thank you so much for being here with us. This is our second service, and I'm kind of excited to say the first service was really full. So that's really exciting. I'm glad you're here. And um, I just got to say, I got a buddy here that's with us at church this morning. Hadn't been able to come for a while. It's my friend Alex Myers. Alex, stand up for a second. Um, now, don't, I don't want you to talk this time because he's getting baptized today. Stand up for a second, buddy. He's getting baptized. Alex is my, thir he's 34 years old. He's a great, great guy. Um, he lives in a group home. His father, his mother passed away about, about two months after he was born, and his father died about nine years ago. But he's a part of our church, right? And he doesn't ever miss, and he's getting baptized at the end of the service. So give him a hand in case he's nervous. I don't think he is, but we're really looking forward to that. All right, Alex, you may be seated, buddy. He wants to, believe me, he wants the microphone. I promise you that. All right. Well, I am so glad that you're here. And, you know, in the first service, there was so many faces of people we haven't seen for a while. And that was great. And this morning, I see some new faces. So if you're a visitor, we're really glad that you've taken the time to be with us. And we are going to really celebrate the resurrection. But on Friday night, we had our Good Friday service. And you see some of the... Uh, some of the little props that we have, we have what's called the record of debt, which was nailed to the cross. The record of debt is the list of all of my and your sins. There's a record of that. And those things were nailed to the cross when Jesus went to the cross. And we learned about that on Friday night. And you can see the blood there because it was a bloody, it was a good Friday. It was a bloody Friday. Okay, but, but we're going to kind of, um, we're going to pick up where we left off. But there was something that, it was like a memorial service on Friday night, and Travis read, there's, there's a, a, a famous poem called One Solitary Life, and Travis read most of it. He added a little bit to it, which is okay, uh, but I'm going to read what he read, and then I'm going to finish what he didn't read. So it says, One Solitary Life about Jesus Christ. He was born in the little obscure village of Bethlehem. The child of a peasant woman named Mary, he grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop with his father, Joseph. From a humble beginning, he lived a humble life. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of these things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. This is Jesus. Because he never wanted to point attention to himself. In his time of need, his friends ran away. One of them denied even knowing him. One friend helped turn him over to his enemies. And there he went through a mockery of a trial, followed by a public and brutal beating. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves as the mockery continued. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. He felt estranged from his father. As he said his final words, it is finished. When he died, the earth shook. The great curtain was torn in two. He was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend named Joseph. And this was where Travis ended on Friday. He was only 33 as his life was cut short. Imagine what could have been. 
Well, here's the part that we purposely left for today. Nineteen centuries have come and gone. I think it's 20, right? <laughs> when it was written. Twenty centuries have come and gone. And today Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life, Jesus Christ. Would you give the Lord a hand on this day that we celebrate his resurrection? And I want to pick up uh, where we left off on Friday because we kind of leave off the service. If you weren't at the Good Friday service, it's kind of unique. We kind of leave us hanging. We leave you hanging. We know he rose from the dead, but we want to just feel perhaps what the disciples felt. We want to mourn and grieve the horrible death that he experienced. So we kind of leave it as he's dead, knowing that on Sunday, of course, we know he was resurrected, but we try to wait. I can't, though. I went home on Friday. I was like, Lord, thank you that you're resurrected. Thank you that you're alive, and as the song said, you're living in me. Okay? But we're going to kind of pick up, and we're going to look at what happened on the rest of that Friday, on Saturday, and then on Sunday morning. Okay? So uh, we'll pick up in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. It says, And Jesus on the cross cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus died. Now, verse 51 begins to tell us what took place right after Jesus died. It says, verse 51, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, let me explain to you. This curtain that was in the temple, it, it blocked entrance into a place called the, the Holy of Holies. And that place, the Holy of Holies, represented the dwelling place of God on earth. And there was a curtain, a thick curtain. It was more like a piece of carpet that blocked the entrance into that place. And only the high priest was allowed to enter the presence of God on earth, the Holy of Holies, and it was only once a year. But when Jesus died, it says that curtain that blocked entrance into that place was torn from top to bottom. The idea that the presence of God on earth was now made accessible. And the fact that it was torn from top to bottom, meaning it was God the one that tore that, that blockage, that, that thing that blocked entrance into God's presence, God opened it up with the death of Jesus Christ. You see, God in, in, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was opening the door for human beings to once again have access to him. You say, what do you mean once again? Okay, When God created the world and he created human beings, Adam and Eve, they had access to God. In fact, God would come into the, gar into the garden of Eden and he would meet with Adam and Eve face to face and talk with them. But, and he'd ask them, there were, there were probably tens of thousands of trees in this garden. And God said, just don't eat the fruit of this one tree. And it wasn't a limitation. It was actually a test of obedience. And they failed that test. And once having failed the test and disobeying God, sin entered the world. 
And, and now what was once unblocked access to God was now blocked. Adam and Eve were taken out of the garden and we have li we lived, mankind lived in a place of separation from God because of Adam and Eve's sin. I want to introduce to you the terms uh, blocked and unblocked. Blocked meaning the way to God not accessible. Unblocked meaning the way to God is open. What was once unblocked when God created Adam and Eve and became blocked when they sinned was now apparently being unblocked again. Let's continue in this amazing, amazing story. Um, it says, so the, the curtain was torn from two, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, who had died, were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they, the raised bodies of saints who had died believing in, in, in God, looking forward to Messiah, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. I don't know if you know that. But uh, when Jesus died, there was an earthquake and a bodily resurrection of some of saints and believers. And they actually walked into the city and people were able to see them. Verse 54. It continues, it says, when the centurion and those who were with him, who were watching over Jesus, had nailed him to the cross, and they were watching, waiting for him to die. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, probably said something like this, oh man, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because we just killed this guy, and they said, oh man, truly this was the Son of God, and we just killed him. Verse 55. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The women that were closest to Jesus were there as well when Jesus died. Now, you might ask, where were the disciples, the men? Well, you know, guys, they, I think they, they ran for their lives. The women, thank you, women. You'll see some more of, of the way God honors women. The women were still there following and, and just trying to keep track of what was happening to their friend and their leader, Jesus Christ. Now, all of these things took place on Friday. So now let's go to some of the events that took place on Saturday. As the religious leaders who orchestrated Jesus' killing, they want to make sure that, that this, this, this uprising of following Jesus is put down once and for all. Verse 62. It says, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, so this is now Saturday, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. And they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. So the religious leaders, they meet with Pilate, concerned about Jesus' claim to rise from the dead on the third day. And they refer to Jesus as an imposter. Does that offend you? It bothers me. 
an imposter? Of all things and of all people to say is an imposter, Jesus Christ? Are you kidding? But that's how they viewed him. Verse 64. Therefore, they said, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Does that bother you? Calling Jesus and his claim a fraud? He's a fraud, okay? But that's what they said. And they wanted, the, um, they wanted that tomb to be secured. So it says, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Okay, so, so what takes place is that um, Joseph of Arimathea had placed Jesus in the tomb. Uh, it was his tomb. It was, an un, it was recently cut out of, it was like a kind of a cave. And he, he, had, he had, had, had it carved out as a place for his burial, but he decided to put Jesus in there. And when he put Jesus in the tomb, he rolled a stone in front of it. But now the religious leaders weren't satisfied with the stone being rolled in front of it. They said, hey, we better uh, have a guard there to make sure they don't come. And let's seal the stone so that the disciples don't come and perpetuate the fraud that this man said he would rise again on the third day. Wow. Okay. So they did that, and the way to Jesus was now being blocked. It was once again being blocked. Now let's continue as we visit the events that took place on Sunday. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, the Sabbath is Saturday, so this is Sunday morning, Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Okay. Here, the two Marys, again, women. Okay. Men, you know, we may in some ways be given places of leadership in the family, but I want to tell you something. Don't ever underestimate God's ability to use women and their incredible faith and their incredible loyalty. And we see they were the ones with courage overcoming their fear and following after Jesus all during this time. I, I just like to say, where were the disciples? Probably the same place me and Greg Mulkey would be. He's one of our elders. You know, they ran for their lives, okay? Now, I would hope that I wouldn't do that because the Spirit's in me. They didn't, those disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Neither did the women. But the women kept following Jesus. And they went to the tomb early in the morning. And they had a loyalty and a tenacity to never give up on their Savior. Verse 2, it said, and behold, there was, so they get to the tomb, there was a great earthquake, earthquake number 2. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So here's what's happening. The ladies get to the tomb. The guards are there. There's a seal over the tomb. The angel shows up and he, he rolls away the stone and he sits on top of the stone and he says, what's up, girls? I think he was gloating a little bit because he's sitting on that rock, that stone. And he says, what's up? How are you doing? Now, they had just lost their friend, their savior, their hero. And, but things were changing just a bit. Verse 3 says, his appearance, the appearance of the angel. See, sometimes people think it was Jesus that appeared. It wasn't Jesus. Okay? 
It was the angel. His, the angel's appearance was like lightning. And his clothing, white as snow. This angel, Wyatt, this angel was awesome. It was just something, even you. Put that hat on for a second, because you look really cool in that hat. Put that hat on. Oh, yeah. You could have been, the angel probably looked like you, okay? But even you would have been shocked when you saw that angel coming down, sitting on that rock. It was like, he was amazing, like lightning, clothes white, and just, and, and there he is. And um, it was an awesome appearance. Verse 4, it says, and for fear of him, the guards, these are big old Italian guards. Well, they probably were short if they were Italian. But they were strong. For fear of him, of the angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men. These Italian centurion guards are like, what? No. They were terrified. Absolutely gripped by fear. They became like dead men. Verse 5. But the angel said to the women, he just kind of, they looked at, the angel looked at the centurion. He's like, I knew you guys got nothing. And he looked at the women. And he said, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus. You see, these ladies were seeking Jesus. And God had orchestrated events in the world. That's what we're celebrating, guys. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has, had orchestrated the events of the world, the death, the coming, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that everyone that would seek Jesus from this point on would find him. He says to them, I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, look inside, see the place where he lay, where he laid. Come, look into the tomb. He's not there. So you see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ didn't happen. It, the, the, the rock didn't have to be moved. The seal didn't have to be broken. He had already risen when the angel moved that rock. And the seal was broken and the rock was moved. He was already gone. And he just said, take a look. He's gone. He's not here. Now, there are implications to this, and we're going to get to that as we wrap up in a little bit. So the heavily guarded tomb with the boulder rolled in front of it that was sealed is now empty. It's empty. So God had torn the curtain in the temple that blocked the way into heaven. He removed the seal on the rock that blocked the way into the tomb. He caused the guards who were blocking those from getting to Jesus to be like dead men. And he overcame Jesus' death by resurrecting him. God was intent on not allowing anyone or anything to block people ever again from getting to Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today. Guys, listen, so I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Brooklyn, and I knew nothing about God. Raised Catholic, I'm not faulting the Catholic Church. I'm faulting me. I didn't go maybe once every two years, okay? I wasn't interested in God, wasn't seeking him until when I was about 22, things started going wrong, started going haywire, and I came to a place in my life where I didn't want to live. I was so depressed. I was so down. I was so disillusioned with life and everything else and, and everything that I value was taken away from me and that was when I began to seek I wasn't even seeking Jesus I didn't know it was him John can you believe John you and I grew up in New York City uh, my experience was I was able to go to church 
and not really learn about Jesus in a way that I know him now. And I got on my knees in my apartment. I said, God, I'm about to kill myself or do something even worse. If you're real, I need you. And he touched my heart. And four weeks later, guess what? I began to seek him, and then I found Jesus four weeks later, and in so doing, I found God. You see, when we seek Jesus, God, Easter tells us, the resurrection tells us that we will not be disappointed. We will find him. Everyone who seeks him will find him. And that's what happened to me. And God was never going to allow the way to him to be blocked again. Verse 7. Here's what he tells the ladies. He said, then go quickly, the angel, and tell his disciples, tell those guys that are hiding out, that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. They hadn't seen him yet. They only were hearing the angel tell him, he's not here, look inside, he's not there. You saw the stone move, the seal be broken, you saw me come down, I'm pretty cool, aren't I? The angel said, aren't I pretty cool? I'm pretty awesome. You ain't seen nothing yet because the really awesome one is Jesus. And he said, I want you to go tell the disciples that I'm going to see them in Galilee. Verse 8. So they, the ladies, departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. Who did he meet? The two women. They were on their way to tell the disciples, and then they met him. And they saw him, and they forgot about the angel really quick. Because they were like, oh, my gosh, it's him. It's Jesus. They were seeking Jesus, and now they found him, just like I did in 1980. It was June that I cried out that prayer to God, and it was July that I found out the God that touched my heart was Jesus. And they met him, just the way I met him, and just the way probably most of you have already met him. You see, because God doesn't want him to, his, the way to Jesus to be blocked. He wants it to be unblocked, and he made sure it is. Verse, I don't even know where I am, guys. Where am I? Verse 8 or verse 9? Okay. Verse 9. Listen, it says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Boy, you know, that's what he said to me the first Sunday in July of 1980. When I listened, finally listened, it was the fourth week I was at a church like this. And I listened to the pastor. And he preached, and I, I raised my hand, and I went forward to ask Christ to come in my life. And it was kind of like Jesus said, greetings. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I've wanted you to come to me, Joe. And I found him. And what, what, what caused me such great disillusionment and depression became the greatest thing that ever happened in my life because it brought me to him to the end of myself to find the great one the savior the risen savior jesus christ he said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him <laughs> they worshiped him tanya where are you hi hello there good job today brock where are you okay would you do me a favor from now on, as long as I'm pastor of this church, hopefully till I die, okay, would you make sure that you remind people that when you're singing that that's the time to worship? Now, I don't mind if you worship quietly. If you bow your head and close your eyes, that's fine. 
worship. And if you like to sing but you're embarrassed to do this, would you please remind them that when you meet Jesus, the first the thing to do is worship him. So whatever that looks like, would you tell them to do it with all their hearts? And they better because I'm shouting and screaming and I'm wanting to get on. I'm try- Tanya, I, you hear me singing? Can you hear my voice? I'm auditioning. Why don't you notice me? I want to be on the worshiping. I want a microphone. No, that would really be bad. Guys, we should be, those of us that sing by, wor- that worship by singing, we should be singing so loud that everyone can hear you. And if you really have a bad voice, that people would tap you on the shoulder and say, would you please stop? Now, we would never do that. But what I'm saying is, let's, can we do that? Because we worship today, it was different. It was a little more intense. And I think that we see that when you meet Jesus, you get intense. It says, verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. They were going to see me. Verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard, the guys that were like dead men, I guess after the angel left and the women left, they came to their senses and it's like, what just happened? They were overwhelmed. They went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Hey, chief priests, hey, guys. Um, you were talking about a fraud. I don't think it's a fraud because we were there guarding the temple. The stone was there. The seal was there. And the next thing you know, there was a, two ladies showed up. There was an earthquake. The rock automatically moved. The seal was broken. The angel sat on the tomb, mocked us, said something nice to the ladies. They looked inside. Nobody. How could that be? They said. How could that be? So, and when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they these Jewish leaders, gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. We're talking bribe here. And they said, tell people his disciples came by night. Now, they were hiding. Remember the disciples? They were off hiding somewhere. But tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you guards out of trouble. So in Italian style, verse 15, they took the money. The centurions took the bribe. Okay, give us the money and did as they were directed. And this story that the body was stolen by the disciples in the middle of the night has been spread among the Jews to this day. (laughs) Um, But I don't think that they were going to be able to contain what had taken place. This hush money was being used to once again try to block Jesus. Try to block people from Jesus. Um, Verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them through the women. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. You see that, Tanya and Brock? I mean... See, that, that's why we, we've got, when we come together to experience Christ, we, we, it's really pretty, we should worship him. Again, if you are laid back, easygoing, and you're chill, there's no problem. Nobody will ever say to you, we don't, we'll never say anything. And if you worship quietly, you worship quietly. I give you complete permission to do that. All I ask is that everyone don't hold back. 
in whatever way you like to worship, let it rip. Let it out. Brock was calling for people to dance, okay? Um, I don't know if you want me to dance. I'm stiff as a board. I try to. I want to jump sometimes, but I think my hip will give out. Okay? You know what it is? It's the excitement about being around Jesus and about worshiping him, the risen Lord and Savior. Okay, so they go there, they worshiped him, and it says, but some doubted. But some doubted. <laughs> now, before you start beating yourself up and say, well, now you're talking about me, Joe, because I have doubts. You do? You have doubts about the risen Savior? I mean, we're talking here about all this stuff, and listen, so do I sometimes. Some of you are like, no, don't say that, Joe. Don't say that. Whenever I'm doubting, I think of you. I think of how confident you are. Listen, I am confident. But sometimes I doubt just like you do. So you know what I do when I doubt? I ignore the doubt and I walk by faith. And guess what? The doubts go away. And, the faith, and you know what? Sometimes God allows the doubts to come because when you walk by faith while you're doubting, guess what happens? Your faith grows. It gets more. It gets, you know what happens? We doubt and we feel shame. Shame is not from God. It comes from Satan. So when you doubt, like I doubt sometimes, now it's less than ever because I keep walking by faith. I've been doing this thing. I've been walking with God for almost 41 years, okay? And I've had seasons of doubt. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. But I kept walking. I kept walking because I believe, regardless of how I feel, the doubts are usually feelings. And what if this? And what if that? And I don't know. And, and God, you didn't answer this prayer. Maybe you're not there. And you know what? I say, I get those same thoughts. I've had those same thoughts. But I keep praying. I keep talking. I keep walking. I keep reading the scriptures. I keep preaching. You say, Joe, you've had doubts as a pastor? Yes! I have. And some of my best sermons are when I'm doubting because I'm walking by faith. And God says, now I know. Listen, now I know, Joe, you really believe. Because even when you're not feeling it, you're preaching it and living it and doing it. We don't understand. That's how you grow. Man, I'm spitting all over the place. Abigail, I am sorry. Are you getting wet? No, okay, good. That's good. <laughs> Do you understand? They doubted, but so you know what Jesus said. Let's just continue reading. Some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. Listen, guys, when Jesus rose from the dead, he, was, he decided to leave the tomb, but he could have stayed there. He could have been, God raised him up. He was in the tomb and he's like, you know, he flew out of there. I don't know how God had his resurrected body. He flew out. He didn't have to. You know what? Jesus could have stayed in the tomb. Hey, Alex is going to change clothes. Get ready for the baptism. Right, buddy? All right. <laughs> he could have stayed in the tomb. It was safe. It was secure. It was even probably a little bit warm. But he didn't. He got out of the tomb. And he went and he began to do what he was called to do. Sometimes we come to know Christ. He comes in our lives and we want to stay in the tomb. Do you know that I'll give you an example of what do you mean by a tomb? A tomb is a safe and secure place 
that you can be as a believer. You know, a church is a tomb in that sense. See, now we want to bring some life here to you, but if this is the only place that you connect with God, then it's a tomb. You see, we're supposed to, we find him, we meet him, and then we get out of the tomb. And now we start walking with him and living our lives for him. And you got to get out. And that's why he said, now you go and you take the gospel, take the message to all the world. He, it's unblocked. Guys, listen, he's not, he, when I cried out to God, God said, I hear you, and he touched my heart. That was in the beginning of June of 1980. I went to church four Sundays. It was the fourth week that I listened to what the preacher was saying. I'd never been to a church that preached the gospel. The fourth week I listened, and I found out it was Jesus. And the way to God was opened up for me. I now had access to God through my faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what my job was? To keep going to church and just keep it quiet. Right? Keep, I didn't know anyone that was a Christian. No, I didn't know anyone that was, I had no friends. I was about, you're 20? About to be 20. I was 22. None of, I had no friends that were Christians. I was the first one. So you know what I did? I decided to multiply myself. I was going to start getting them, introducing them to the gospel. And before I even read the part about go, and then we go because I had this resurrected life in me, and I don't want to stay. You don't stay in the tomb when you have the resurrected Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit living inside of you. You bring him to the world. And that's what I began to do. You see... What was originally unblocked, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And then they had an open relationship with God. But it was blocked as a result of their sin, which led to a separation. That separation was then unblocked again by Jesus' coming, his perfect life, his death, his burial, and then his resurrection. And as a result, you and I have access to God. The way to God is unblocked. For us through Jesus Christ. And then once we experience that connection with God through Christ, we're commissioned to make that access to God unblocked for the rest of the world, or at least the part of the world that we have access to. Now, as soon as everyone leaves, I'll try and be the last one to leave today. I am going to go home. I might be a little more tired today because I preached two services, but I think maybe we'll decide if we're we probably going to, we'll see if we keep two services from this point on. We were two services before COVID, but I'll tell you one of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a place called Lino's. Lino's is a place, is a nursery where they sell flowers and plants, and I really love them, and I'm going to Lino's. As soon as everyone leaves, I'll say hello, say goodbye, and then I'm going to Lino's to buy some plants. I'm coming home. We're going to have lunch, and then I'm going to do some planting. But while I'm in Lino's, I will look for every opportunity to just naturally tell people about Jesus. Why? I just do it in a natural way. That's me. I can talk to a mannequin about Jesus and get a response, a little response, okay? That's my style. And don't, that's not, maybe it's not your style, and that's fine. But what I want to commission us to do is to get out of the tomb 
and take Jesus to our world. It can start with your family. It can be your neighbor's community. You know, sometimes just bringing people to church. You know why I'd like to go to two services, Tyler? Because I would like for them, I'd like to have the social distancing comforts and for us to be able to have two times. More people would come just when you have two different times for them to come and we can get access to God, the message of that, to more people. So we'll decide. We'll see what we do. But eventually, I want us to be back to two services because we have a message that needs to go out. Here's my question as we wrap up. Well, let me give you the last verse. So he says that we're to go and take the gospel, the good news, to all the nation and teaching them all that we've learned, everything that Jesus taught in the scriptures. And he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, your access to God through me will be unblocked forever and ever. I'm always with you. I'm always there. You have that relationship with me. Now, shouldn't we be excited about getting that message out to people? Maybe you don't do it the way I do it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty outgoing, especially when it comes. You know why I'm outgoing when it comes to Christ? I was very shy. It's because of what he did for me. He, he, I, he prevented me from killing myself, and I was considering, in 19, killing my girlfriend. And he stopped that, and he gave me a life, a purpose, hope, peace, joy, all the things, more than I can't. When you sing in the songs, I can't. You say, what are the things that God's done? I can't name them. There's so many, and I would like him to do that for as many people as possible because he's unlimited in what he can do. So I like to tell him, but maybe for you, maybe you go to Lino's or Home Depot and maybe you just spot someone and pray. And that's your way, and that's great. Don't underestimate that. Or maybe sometimes you, you, you're more of a person, like I like to talk to lots of people. I get really excited. It fires me up. But maybe you're like, maybe with a close friend, hey, you know what? Boy, I've been... I've been you know, learning a lot about Christ and his resurrection, and boy, it's really changed my life. You don't need to tell them what they need to do. Just tell them what he is doing in you. People can't, they, first of all, they can't rebut that, and second of all, it makes them thirsty. It makes them thirsty when they see, uh, by the way, I'm going to go to Lino's today, I'm going to be smiling. <laughs> I have a big old smile on my face. Why? Because I got to tell you about the good news. And I got to share, and I got to be used by God, and he's my best friend, and he's in the middle of my marriage, in the middle of my family, and everything else. It's what we have, guys. Let's take it out. So two questions, and we close. Worship band, you can come up. Are you going to play that awesome song that I was hoping for? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're going to get a treat. And then Alex is going to get baptized. Don't leave early. Okay? Have you had the way to God unblocked? Has your sin been taken care of? You see, it's sin that blocks the way to God, and Jesus took care of our sins. That's why there's blood on this piece of wood. His death, he, he, the record of debt, our sins, it was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Have you had your sins, your way to God unblocked by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance to open your heart and invite Christ into your life in a second. Question number two, for those of you that the majority of you know Christ, have met Christ, are you living your Christian life in the tomb? 
Or are you one of those who has taken seriously the call to go and to let people know? Let's close in prayer. Lord, um, I want to thank you for there are, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, implications of the resurrection, and we've looked at some of them this morning. I thank you for that. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you personally, that has never had the way to you, their sin still is, they've, they've not trusted Christ to forgive their sins, so their sin is blocking them from having access to God. They're blocked. Lord, if there's anyone in that place, would you touch their hearts now? And would you prompt them to invite Christ in their lives? Open their hearts to him? So if you're here this morning and you've never opened your heart and invited Jesus to come in, I want to give you a chance to do that now. Pray this prayer with me. First of all, just quietly in your seat. Just let God know that you're aware of your sin. It's exactly what I did back in July of 1980. I knew I was a sinner. Let them know that you're aware of your sin, the record of debt against you. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, would you uh, let them know that you believe that Jesus' death on the cross it covered the record of your debt. It provided a way for you to be forgiven. And if you want to forgive, be forgiven of your sins by trusting Jesus to be your Savior, he saves us from the penalty of our sin. Invite Jesus in your heart right now. And you see, just quietly, just say, Jesus, I open my heart. I ask you to come in my life. Forgive my sins. If you prayed that prayer with me just now, would you slip your hand up and just till I see it, and then you can put it down. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yep, awesome, awesome, awesome. Great, 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 great. Now, for those of you that already know Christ, are you living in the tomb? <laughs> Get out, man. It, it, it's dark and dingy in the tomb. In fact, it may be warm at night, in the tomb, but in the daytime, it's cold. And you can live in the light. And I want to encourage you to get out. You don't have to do it my way. Do it your way. But take the gospel to the world. Lord, would you help each of us in our own unique way to, bring, to go and to bring the gospel to those who need it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.